Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. I mentioned yesterday on the show that DeSantis is headed to Iowa. He'll be with the governor of Iowa in two different uh, locations for two different events. Well, Mike Lindell was at CPAC talking about Ron DeSantis. You know, my pillow guy. Listen to this. Went for defamation. Now, I'll tell you what, Ron DeSantis, and he's got money behind him. Did he do anything for Disney? Did he do anything? Remember, that was the big thing. You're going to go after Disney. He did nothing. They got everything they wanted. Everything. Look it up. The media is covering up for Ron DeSantis. He's the Trojan horse. He is the Trojan horse. He's a global. He's the Trojan horse. Do not believe anything you're reading by the media about Ron DeSantis. That's why Donald Trump is ahead in the polls by over 40%. Are you backing Seriously. Am I backing Donald Trump in 2020? What a clown show. This is the guy who really does believe. Uh, the Dominion voter machine stole the election for Donald Trump. Never mind in Georgia, all the ballots were printed out and they counted them and the machines and the and the paper ballots matched. Uh, he, it, it's fantasy and mythology for people. This guy's kind of nuts. Um, and also the pillow sucks if we're on. My pillow is, is not a good pillow. Nonetheless, Mike Lindell, Ron DeSantis, a Trojan horse, don't believe the media. Now, this is the bizarre alternative reality you're going to hear from folks that he did nothing to Disney. He did nothing to Disney. So they got rid of the Reedy Creek um, area. They got they got rid of it. It's been around since the 50s or 60s. Uh, the actual real Walt Disney got it created with the Florida legislature, and it's gone now. That area of land handed back over to the voters. And Mike Lindell wants you to know he really didn't do anything. He he really didn't do anything, and he's a globalist. I don't know that they're going to be able to do the don't believe the media stuff because the media is going after DeSantis. And, in fact, a lot of people are ignoring Trump because of DeSantis. There's a level of jealousy there, I think, that DeSantis is getting so much coverage. And I suspect if Youngkin actually gets in, Youngkin's going to get some coverage as well. So now uh, I, I say all of this to say this, that's about probably the only thing you're going to hear me play out of CPAC because there's not a lot of news out of CPAC. It, it is the Donald Trump reelection party and you, Nikki Haley and, and Vivek Ramaswamy did go, but uh, Mike Pence isn't going. Ron DeSantis isn't going. Lynn Youngkin's not going. All of the people people are interested in are avoiding it because one, you've got the the Matt Schlapp uh, sex scandal, and then you've got the rest of this stuff. People just aren't into CPAC. They, they've kind of overplayed their hand on being a Trump wing of the party as opposed to the place where all conservatives go, which is what they used to do. Now, related to that, I won't be here on Monday. I will be coming home from a series of meetings out west, uh, I, I have mentioned this before. I occasionally, I have a, a who's who list of people who listen to this program on occasion. Uh, a lot of people who listen or read my sub stack don't necessarily listen to it. They read it. And I, for years now, have, have had ties within 
the Republican Party, even as kind of an outside guy living in the middle of Georgia, being on city council, running red state, uh, battling the establishment regularly, fighting the Mitch McConnells of the world, fighting the Paul Ryans and John Boehners and, and now the Kevin McCarthy's of the world. Uh, the donor class, though they may be establishment, they kind of like to get some sense of what's going on with conservatives and what our thinking is. And I got asked to go sit down with them, paying my own way. I'm not getting paid. Don't have to do all of that sort of stuff. I, I am flying myself out to a meeting and paying my own way. I didn't want money from any of them. I don't want their money. I just want to give them some honest advice. I believe that the donors got played in 22. I mean, a lot of them wasted their money. A lot of them got ripped off by a bunch of grifters they thought had their back. There was a ton of money wasted, a ton of money not spent at the end. I mean, for Pete's sakes, Donald Trump ran, uh, raised over $100 million and barely spent 15 saved it for himself for 24 didn't spend the money to help get his candidates elected. Mitch McConnell spent more money to help uh, Dr. Oz, Blake Masters, and uh, Herschel Walker than Donald Trump did. These donors feel burned. A couple of them have been pro-Trump, but I was actually told this morning that the uh, the couple that I thought would be kind of the, the pro-Trump people, they're not. They, they're kind of, they're done. And so essentially what the donors want to do is figure out how can they not stop Donald Trump, but help use their resources to shape a field that is not conducive to his renomination. And I personally believe, and, and on the record telling you guys this, I think Trump is the worst possible pick for 24 for a number of reasons. One, I actually think Joe Biden can beat him again. Two, I actually think it would be a bad idea for the GOP if we elected someone president who constitutionally could only serve four years. It's going to take at least eight to clean up the mess that Joe Biden has made. So why would we want to go with a guy who constitutionally is prohibited to only four years? And by the way, as an aside, I have a sneaking suspicion Brought to you by the people who thought the election was stolen, I think we're going to hear an argument from the Trump team that actually they could serve eight years, that we've all, all of these years misinterpreted the Constitution. I really do suspect that's going to happen, that they are going to argue uh, with a straight face that actually Donald Trump, because he set out a term, could actually serve eight years. I, I, it's only a matter of time before Mike Lindell or somebody argues that. But constitutionally, no, he can only serve four years. So why would we put him back in the White House? And people are like, well, he can run with Ron DeSantis. No, actually, the Constitution says two people from the state, same state can't run together on a ticket. Or that state's electoral college votes don't count. So there goes your Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump ticket. What I want to tell the donors is don't shape the field. I know it's bold. It's provocative. It's unusual. They want to reduce the field. No, no, no. Don't shape the field. See, if all of the donors align behind Ron DeSantis, you, you heard that crowd there with Mike Lindell. He's a Trojan horse. Somebody yelling he's a globalist. They'll say he's establishment. He's establishment. And that'll trigger some people. So don't all pour your money into Ron DeSantis. I'm not saying don't support him. What I am saying is you crown him, you're going to destroy him. Whether you back Glenn Youngkin or whatnot, and a couple of these guys really are interested in Glenn Youngkin getting in, that's fine. 
bring in Yunkin, bring in DeSantis, bring in Tim Scott. You got Vivek Ramaswamy there. You got Nikki Haley. Bring in Mike Pence, Tim Scott. Bring in Donald Trump. That's eight people. That's eight. If I've done, if I've counted right with the numbers, that's eight. Maybe Mike Pompeo. You get nine people. A nine-person field isn't a terrible field. It's one that people can whittle down on. I will tell you the polling suggests for every person who gets in the race, it helps Donald Trump. He wants as many people in the race as possible, and some people want to help him. It is no surprise to see Donald Trump's core supporters cheering on Vivek Ramaswamy, in large part because Vivek's major issue is environmental social governance scorecards. He thinks they're terrible. He wants to stop them. That's kind of the lane Ron DeSantis was in. Vivek kind of uh, overshadows him in that regard. They love the fact that he's in. And look, like it or not, it's it's good for Trump, and I can see why they would they would cheer that on. And more power to him. What I think that the what the large donors need to do is not necessarily winnow the field down, but when you get to seven eight candidates, stop funding other candidates. Stop doing vanity projects and be discerning with your money. So, for example. Do not run a media super PAC. What I mean by that is is let the candidates handle their own messaging. Uh, Don't try to message for the candidate. Let the candidate message for themselves and follow that candidate's lead. If Ron DeSantis starts saying something about himself, well, then that's what all your ads should be. Candidates, you know, they can do B-roll. If you go online, what you will find are a bunch of candidates who just put up random, like, image videos. It's them shaking hands with people, them sitting in a boardroom, them, them touring a factory. That's called the B-roll footage. They put it up in high resolution so the super PACs can find it and use those visuals for their own ads. And it's perfectly legal. Democrats do it. Republicans do it. What you can do is run a ground game super PAC. So you, for example, get my buddy Drew Ryan's uh, campaign sidekick software. And it's a great software, and and it it prints up uh, voter target lists. So you can pay people to go door-to-door for candidates and keep track of the database. What are their core issues? So then you can target mail-in to those people. Oh, I I think education is the big issue, says the voter whose door you've knocked on. Well, guess what? They start getting uh, candidate X. Here's his position on education. There are ways that these people can do these things smartly. There are ways they should do these things smartly. And then there's the waste of money stuff. What the candidates and what the super PACs need to understand is there are a lot of consultants who want in on 24 to get rich. You know, there's all that buzz about Ron DeSantis and the number of people who worked for him who don't like him. What that actually was was a lot of mercenary consultants who they were in it for the money, not for DeSantis. And he pushed them all out. He fired them all. He didn't want to work with those people. He wanted to work with people who shared his vision. And you will note that his current team is deeply loyal, deeply supportive, and deeply enthusiastic for him. You don't hear those rumors anymore. The donors have to be the same way. If you've got a billionaire donor who's writing a check, there are a lot of Republican consultants who will gladly suck that money up and let you pay a premium for their talents and services when they are not that good. Discernment is critically important for these donors. They have got to exercise some discernment. That's my message to them. Don't don't try to just coronate one person. That'll blow up on them. But do try to minimize the field. Keep it below 10 people if you can. Refuse to give money to additional candidates. Step up. Now, you can't control the donors. If somebody wants to fund, I don't know, Chris Christie, well, by God, they're going to fund Chris Christie, whether whether they should or not. But they got to be mindful. The bigger the crowd, the better it is for Trump. And a lot of these guys, including the two I thought were Trump people, are kind of moved on. And they're like, no, we, we need a fresh young voice. 
We'll see whether or not they take my advice. I'm not holding my breath. These are weird times, and you got a lot of rich people who want to spend their money for clout, and they don't really care what the outcome is so long as they get noticed for spending their money, and that's kind of a problem. So my kid has a queen-size bed. We've got a king-size bed. We got him bull and branch sheets, and he's used them. He had, like, kid sheets, and now he's old enough. He doesn't want the, the action figure sheets anymore. Well, we got lost because, I mean, the sheets look like our sheets, except they're queen-size sheets, and they got put in our closet, and the kid was in despair. We got him bowl and branch sheets. They've gotten softer and softer, and he's like, where are my real sheets? He refused to sleep until we found the real sheets because they're that soft. They're that good. They're made with a 100% organic cotton thread. They get softer in every wash. You can stay cozy all winter long with a set of bowl and branch sheets. They really are that good. We have them on multiple beds in our house. My goodness, my seriously, my kid, uh, he's finally like, my sheets are for kids. I'm I'm grown up now, and uh, it's just a, a step of quality above what he had, and now he's like, can't sleep without these sheets. They're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made without toxins. They're free of pesticides, formaldehyde, other chemicals. They fit the deepest mattress, too, which I love because we have a very thick mattress on our bed, and it fits. It doesn't, like, bunch up and then snap off in the middle of the night when you roll over. You can get 15% off your forced order Bowling Branch sheets when you use promo code ERIC at BowlingBranch.com. Exclusions apply. See site for details. That's Bowling Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Of all the stupid ideas, um, those of you down in Florida, uh, Jason Broder, Browder, B-R-O-D-E-U-R, Brodeur, uh, from Lake Mary, Florida. Now, where is Lake Mary? Is, is that in my listening area? Uh, someone, Lake Mary, Florida. Let's see. I, look, I'm, I'm figuring out Florida as we go along. Uh, yes, yes. I knew I recognized it. Uh, that is that is my if you're listening on WDBO. Hello, WDBO um, listening audience. Uh, Jason Bro, Broder is Bro. I don't know. Brodeur. I don't know. He's from Lake Mary. He's one of your state senators. Will one of you please tell him he is an idiot? I can't actually say on air what I want to call him. Florida Senator Jason Broder of Lake Mary wants bloggers who write about Ron DeSantis, Attorney General Ashley Moody, and other members of the Florida Executive Cabinet or Legislature to register with the state or face fines. His proposal would require any blogger writing about government officials to register with the Florida Office of Legislative Services or the Commission on Ethics. In the bill, Browder wrote that those who write an article, a story, or a series of stories about the governor, the lieutenant governor, a cabinet officer, or any member of the legislature and receives or will receive payment for doing so must register with state offices within five days after the publication of an article that mentions an elected state official. If another blog post is added to a blog, the blogger would then be required to submit monthly reports on the 10th of each month with the appropriate state staff. How is this real? What an idiot this guy is. This is like patently unconstitutional. Do you know, hey, hey, Jason, Jason, idiot. Hey, hey, listen, listen to me, Jason. 
Now, I will speak in, speak in small words for you. People, if they write reports about the government for the public, get something called the First Amendment. When the First Amendment, Jason, you idiot, says there's freedom of the press, that doesn't apply to designated hired journalists, Jason. That applies to everyone, you blithering idiot. My gosh, this guy. Uh, who does he think he is? I, I, is he a lawyer? I, I don't know. He, he can't be a lawyer um, unless he went to some did, – did he get his degree at – passed the bar at Kmart or something? Who is this guy? Um, Jason Broder. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, Seminole, small part of Orange County. He served as president and CEO of the Seminole County Chamber of Commerce. Oh, so he's a Chamber of Commerce flunky. Oh my gosh. Oh, and I, oh, he's a, cons- a healthcare consultant. That's ding, 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 healthcare consultant. There, there you have it. Um, what a, what a, what an uh, stupid, stupid piece. You should be shamed. Now, listen, you're on my side, Jason. You may even listen to my show, and I want you to know I think you're a blithering idiot right now. You should be shamed. You should have to walk through the streets downtown Orlando, go past Corona Cigar with somebody holding a bell, ringing in front of you, saying, shame, 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 an idiot's before us, an idiot's before us, shame. This is such a stupid idea, Jason. Not only is it unconstitutional, so, so essentially what, 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 the, what the legislation does, and it carves out for professional journalists, what it suggests is that the First Amendment freedom of the press belongs to the American press corps, which is actually what the press wants. I mean, what Jason Broder is, Broder is doing is he's actually giving the press corps exactly what they want. The New York Times hates that there are competitors who are bloggers who can one-up them. The Washington Post, CNN, the MSNBC, they hate that a blogger can report on stuff and be given the First Amendment. And and he wants to take it away from them. He wants to make them register or pay fines as opposed to just being able to express their opinion. It's such a stupid idea. He should be ashamed. I, I mean, literally, someone, please find him and tell him he's an idiot for doing this. Repent, Jason. Repent. Go back to sanity. Be smart again. Stop being, I mean, get out of the short bus of politics, Jason. Get back into the big boy chairs and think use your noggin. It's unconstitutional for you to do this. And what's so crazy here is, is all of these stories about Ron DeSantis and the press and whatnot and the antagonistic relationships and the media hates his guts. I mean, this guy goes off and decides to freelance something that makes DeSantis look super reasonable. But, of course, the media is going to tar and feather DeSantis with this. I bet DeSantis is behind it. What a stupid, stupid idea. I mean, who comes up with this sort of stuff? I want to make people who write about me register with the government and be fined if they don't register because they're going to write something about me online. It may not be. They don't have editors. It might not be true. This is literally the exact same sort of stuff the New York Times argued against bloggers for. This, this, is, this is asinine. 
genuinely crazy nonsense that this guy is is putting forward. Jason, withdraw your legislation. All will be forgiven. We'll give you a gold star. We'll give you an A. We'll stop calling you an idiot. You're on our team. We don't like to call you an idiot. You're actually in a listening area of mine. I really don't like to call you an idiot. People probably know you and they're mad at me. But this, y'all, this is idiotic that he did this. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. I want to talk, I, I want to talk about a couple of things, but but they're more broadly connected and it somewhat may sound a little repetitious at first. So bear with me here. I am a professional occasionally. Vox.com, the Vox Kids, the left-wing site that tries to explain the news from a left-wing perspective. It's got a piece, uh, Christian Paz is the author, the headline, The Chicago Mayor's Race Shows Democrats Still Have a Crime Problem. Lori Lightfoot made history four years ago when she won every ward in the city of Chicago to become the first black woman and first openly gay person to be elected mayor of America's third largest city. She made it again last night becoming the first Chicago mayor in 40 years to lose a re-election bid. Lightfoot's loss was expected, but it also served as a reminder on her first four years in office and on crime in Chicago. The coronavirus pandemic dealt a huge economic hit to the city, and violent crime surged during the outbreak, reaching levels not seen in the city since the 1990s. Because of this and because of Lightfoot's poor relationship with other political leaders, she was viewed as the underdog, just like in her last race. Nearly half of Chicago voters rated crime and public safety as their top electoral issues, and more than 60% of voters said they felt personally unsafe in the city. That continues a trend in many American cities dominated by Democrats, Crime rates rose during the pandemic and have since moderated a bit, but some visible kinds of crime have continued to test Democrats politically. In Chicago, homicides and shootings have trended down after drastic rises in 2021 and 22, while property crimes have risen over the last four years. The city's also seen high-profile shootings, increased crime in downtown, constant media coverage about violence, and heated rhetoric about how bad crime has become by the police union and Lightfoot herself. Those conditions have meant Chicago's mayoral race have echoed local races in New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C. And in national elections as well, Republicans have mixed success in trying to make it a political cudgel during the midterms where 61% of Americans cited as a major electoral issue. Now, that's part of the problem here. Democrats do have a crime problem, and there really is a wing of the Democratic Party that is all about defunding the police. And most Democrats don't believe that, and we should be fair and acknowledge most Democrats don't believe that. However, they get drowned out by the loud defund voices. Joe Biden has announced and he's blindsided House Democrats in doing this that he is not going to block a Republican vote in the Senate or veto legislation that would roll back a D.C. crime bill. House Democrats, this is from the Hill, House Democrats were infuriated and taken aback by President Biden's announcement on Thursday that he will sign a resolution to nix the District of Columbia's crime bill. Excuse me. 
The crime bill has come under heavy criticism from Republicans and centrist Democrats. But last month, 173 House Democrats voted along with what they thought was the White House's stance that Biden would veto the resolution in an attempt to stand up for the district's home rule. Instead, Biden made the revelation to Senate Democrats during lunch on Thursday and the process angered their colleagues across the Capitol complex. The White House effed this up royally, except to use the actual word, one House Democrat told The Hill via text message, noting the White House issued a statement of administrative policy opposing the resolution and backing the District of Columbia, and House Democratic leadership told lawmakers Biden was prepared to veto the measure. Yikes. Now, he's angering House Democrats on this. Biden saw what happened to Lori Lightfoot. She's the first mayor of Chicago in 40 years to lose an election. And she lost because she was perceived as being terribly weak on crime. But wait, there's more. See, part of the other problem here is that uh, the Biden team continues to mess things up. The Biden team continues to catch Democrats off guard. The Biden team continues in various ways, in public policy ways, to make a lot of mistakes that Biden should not be making into his third year in office. Like, for example, there's the matter of East Palestine, Ohio, or East Palestine, Ohio. Joe Biden has it gone. And he continues to get asked when he's going. It does not appear that Joe Biden has any intention of going to East Palestine, Ohio. He has laughed at the question. He has dismissed the question. He has avoided answering the question. And he won't just say no. Uh, here's Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, earlier today on this particular issue. And just listen to this. As he left the meeting, he said about Ohio, he was asked about East Palestine and supporting legislation that's in the works. He said, I will be there soon. Is there a plan for him to go? I don't have a, any uh, trips to preview for you at this time. Uh, the president also, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, moments ago, he also talked about um, how uh, essentially this has been a priority. He's talked to uh, governors, the governor of Pennsylvania, governor of Ohio, the senators uh, at multiple times throughout these past couple, couple of weeks. Um, that doesn't really sound like he intends to go. You know, it, it, Pete Buttigieg dragged his feet on going. And suddenly, the White House is being asked by reporters everywhere. In fact, uh, Biden was on Capitol Hill meeting with the Senate uh, Democrats and got asked. Mr. President, do you plan to visit Ohio to discuss the situation there with the trade around with the people there? I've spoken with every official in Ohio, Democrat and Republican, on a continuous basis, as in Pennsylvania. I laid out a little bit in there what I think the answers are. We put it together. And we will be implementing an awful lot into the legislation here. So that's not a that's not a yes, I'm going to Ohio. This is this is kind of dumb at this point. Listen, I don't fault the president of the United States of America for going to Ukraine. I, I don't fault him at all. I wish he had gone sooner. He should have gone sooner, but at least he went. I think it's a good thing he went to Ukraine. 
It provided a morale boost to the Ukrainian. It showed visibly Americans are still supportive of Ukraine, even as some Republicans would prefer we not do that. But you've got to be able to go to East Palestine, Ohio as well. You've got to be able to show you can multitask. You've got to be able to show that American cities and Americans matter. If you're going to go to Ukraine that's war-torn, at this point, having had Pete Buttigieg screw it up, you got to go. You've now been beaten there by Donald Trump. At this point, you really need to go. It's tone deaf. And you've got a situation in Ohio where that state and that region of that state have been trending to the Republicans. It used to be a working class stronghold of Democrats. And Joe Biden is nowhere to be seen. By the way, The EPA has been notified that cleanup workers for Norfolk Southern are getting sick. There still appears to be problems in the area with the water and the land, with the soil, with the air. There are problems. Is that why Joe Biden doesn't want to go? I I don't think that's the problem. I don't think that's it. There are ways for him to go to see and be seen. Now, the White House can deflect on this and say, well, there are a thousand train derailments here. Do you want the president to go uh, every day to see all the train derailments? No, this is different. If you can't understand why this is different. And by the way, by the way, it's a perfect opportunity for Joe, Mr. Big Government Biden to go to Ohio and make the case for a robust government response to make the case for more government regulation. It's the perfect opportunity for him to do that, except he would come on the heels of Donald Trump and that would make him look like he's a follower and not a leader. It would be the optics of following Donald Trump. He could have gone before Ukraine. I got to tell you, we're going through a political realignment in this country. And in that political realignment, a lot of black and Hispanic and and working class Democrats are moving to the GOP. They're tired of the rich, white, secular atheists of the Democratic Party. They, they, They find those people alienating. And Joe Biden is signaling to them that they're not valid, good members of the coalition by refusing to go to, to check out the damage, to see it for himself. He's causing himself problems. All of these things are told. If you don't tell the House Democrats you're going to flip on uh, the Republican resolution, so a lot of Democrats stand with D.C. over being st- strong on crime, they're now going to get lit up. you now got this situation where he won't go to East Palestine, but he did go to Ukraine. You've now got a- additional situations out there where the Biden administration is making basic mistakes in dealing with the United States Congress. The, the, I mean, these are like amateurish mistakes. And granted, obviously, Joe Biden has a new chief of staff. He's got a new chief of staff, and that does matter. But concurrent to that, Joe Biden's been in Washington, D.C. for 50 years. He shouldn't need to rely on a new chief of staff when everyone says he's got such good instincts on this stuff. If Joe Biden has such good working class instincts, he should go to East Palestine, Ohio. He should. He should go see this. He should go. He should engage those people if he could engage the Ukrainians. These are just little mistakes he's making along the way in the run-up. to. By the way, he's going to run again. Uh, They asked him yesterday when he would announce it. He said he'll announce it when he announces it. But by all accounts, people in the White House have been told that he has made up his mind. He will pull the trigger. And these are just 
those little bitty mistakes along the way, those little bitty mistakes he didn't have to make and yet he made, he didn't have to make a mistake like this. But he did. And he could rectify it by going to East Palestine. He could rectify the other by, by well, there's no way he can do it if he vetoes the D.C. legislation. But, I mean, there are so many little things the Biden administration keeps screwing up on. And now Kate Bedenfield is leaving. She's been his communications arm, his interpreter, his, his person who massages his communication strategy. She's leaving. That's going to rock the boat further, particularly when it comes to congressional outreach. You're going to have the Democrats at war with each other by the time this we get to Christmas this year. Now, listen, I want you to go check out the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You can get a three-pack right now at EdenPureDeals.com. Go to EdenPureDeals.com, and you put in my discount code ERIC. That's it. No ERIC3 anymore, just E-R-I-C-K. You'll see the Eden Pure Thunderstorm three-pack. Now, it's an air purifier, and it's filterless. You just wipe it out on occasion. It's got electrostatic plates. It gets rid of the pollen and the dust and everything floating in the air. How I use it, though, is an odor eliminator. I've got one with me. Uh, because I'm headed out to Las Vegas, and if the hotel room stinks, people have been smoking in it or smoke from the room next door drifts in, I can wipe it out with the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You can get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV, your travel bag. You can plug it into the wall or use a USB cord. It fits in the palm of your hand. It's a great device. EdenPureDeals.com is the website. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC. Get three of them for less than $200. Well, hello. You know what? We, we haven't actually done this in a very long time on the program. And so I think it's time. Let's fire up the sounder and let's play the game. It's time for another exciting edition of Name That Party, a thrilling game show where we try to guess the party affiliations of criminal politicians the media chooses not to report. We tell you what they did, you guess the party. Here's the NBC News story. The mayor of College Park, Maryland, was arrested on dozens of counts of child pornography Thursday and resigned, authorities said. Patrick Wuhan, or Wujan, 47, was charged with 56 counts of child pornography, 40 counts of possession of child exploitative material and 16 counts of distribution of child exploitative material, Prince George's County Police said in a statement. A statement on the city website said Wu John resigned, res- resigned effective Thursday. Last night after business hours, the mayor submitted his letter of resignation as mayor of the city of College Park effective immediately. The mayor had served in the position since 2015 and on council since 2007. The city of College Park thanks him for his many years of dedicated service. Effective immediately, Mayor Pro Tem Denise Mitchell will serve as presiding officer until a special election is held. Now, notably, well, his party is not mentioned nor any of his extracurricular activities are mentioned in anything. I bet it makes him, ding, 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 a Democrat. Yes, he's a Democrat. Yes, we won. Not only is he a Democrat, he considers Pete Buttigieg, one of his mentors, as an LGBTQ plus mayor. He's a big advocate for trans rights and the like in, in College Park, Maryland, and, and 
Well, uh, he's 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 into child pornography. Uh, now, listen, a, a lot of a lot of conservative commentators are tying all this stuff together. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to note that this guy is a big gay rights advocate in College Park, Maryland, and is also into child pornography, uh, has friendly ties to Pete Buttigieg, and the media in reporting all of this left all of that out. Didn't even report his political party. This is just what we come to expect. of the media. If he were a Republican, you and I know darn well if he were a Republican, that would be the lead sentence. The, the mayor, a Republican, hey, did I mention he supported Donald Trump in 2020? He is, a, is, is arrested for child pornography, except it didn't happen that way. He happens to be a Biden supporter. It's one of the most frustrating, but also totally, totally um, expected things in the media that they never want to tell you the party affiliation of someone arrested who's elected unless that person is a Republican. Now, moving on rather dramatically to something completely different. This is encouraging news, and it relates to something I talked about yesterday. Foxconn Technology signed an agreement to invest in India's Southern Telangana state to manufacture electronics as the Apple supplier looks to pivot beyond China. The announcement follows a meeting between Foxconn Chairman Young Lu and Telangana Chief Minister K. Chandrasekhar Rao Lu, who is on the tour of on a tour of India, met with Prime Minister uh, Narendra Modi earlier this week. Foxconn's investment is the largest in India's electronic sector and will create a hundred thousand jobs. This is a wise thing, this company, and it's beginning globally. Companies are beginning to make their pivots out of China. We're going to have to be patient. I mean, the number of people who want to avoid buying anything and everything from China, it's kind of difficult. You got to have a lot of time on your hands, and I don't have that sort of time on my hands. But I am glad that this is happening because it is inevitable that we're going to come to serious uh, squabbling with China, hopefully not militarily. Uh, we never did with the Soviet Union except by proxy, and that's what's happening in Ukraine. But we need to get out of China as quick as we can, and those companies that can uh, start building in India, that's a good thing. The Chinese should be our natural ally. In fact, uh, we now know the Bush administration when they left office and the Obama administration came in, despite the contentiousness of that election, the Bush transition team prepared a series of briefing papers for the Obama transition team with their real candid thoughts on what they got right, what they got wrong, what they wished they had done different, what they didn't know then that they know now. It was actually really useful. They just actually published a lot of the non-classified material. And one of the things the Bush administration said is that they thought, given history and given given various ties, that building a good relationship with Pakistan would be useful, and they weren't sure about India. And instead, by the end of the eight years of the Bush administration, they realized that the Pakistanis were duplicitous and not to be trusted, and the Indians were natural allies and a great fit and partner for us. They had a very messy democracy, but they wanted to be our friends. Seeing businesses go to India warms my heart. It's a beautiful country with wonderful people. Uh, I, I love spending time there when I was a kid. And the more we do there, the better off we will be. You guys have a great weekend. I'll see you Tuesday.